Oh, what? Oh, oh, I'm real sorry about this, guys. The it looks like the Twitch servers crashed. We gotta wait for them to re reboot. I'm, I mean, I'm sorry. It's this. These happens though. It's it's Twitch. It's not us. So as soon as the uh, servers get back up, we'll be good to go. Uh, just a momentary. I mean, it happens. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, and we gotta reconnect to the internet. So uh, this will this will take a while. Um, Again, really, really, I mean, no, the Saturday Morning D&D show has a much higher production quality than, uh, than this, and you guys deserve better, so I, I'm 100% from the bottom of my heart, I am sorry, should be connected here shortly, it's just gonna be just a little bit longer, I'm really sorry, really, really sorry, there, uh, hey, there we go, we're connected! Hey everybody, Jordan here, the PH is silent, and welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D show. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over there at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the channel. Look at all those fine people. We have a great show for you today. It's going to be great. Yeah, sorry sorry about that hiccup. Uh, the YouTube weird. and Twitch servers just had to be a little rebooted. Um, and uh, we, we realized that April Fool's is on Monday, and that's when we release these videos. So we decided to do a silly April Fool's thing. <laughs> yeah, because we want to be a part of it. So our Saturday show could be a part of the April Fool's fun. So April Fool's on you. Yeah, gotcha. Got we you got good. you all. Got you so good. Uh, fantastic. Thank you guys again so much for joining us live here. Um, let me make sure everything is kosher and I think yeah, we're good to go. Okay. Yeah, because we got some new microphones and stuff, so we were just kind of checking it out. So, um, yeah. What's going on in the world of d and I guess. So, we're, yeah, D&D talk show. We talk about D&D. We talk about our home games. Got a big story for you today because I finished uh, Hot Springs Island and we had a lot of fun playing through all of that uh last night and and just completing a campaign which doesn't seem to happen often i feel like more often than not people they just stop people just stop <laughs> like they they have a baby or mm. they move and all of a sudden people can't play D D anymore uh and so it's like well we never actually finished um you know tomb of annihilation but i hope mm. to at some point kind of a thing so this was really cool that we got to like start and finish it and i think we played for eight or nine months to to play through what we did with hot springs island which is weekly pretty regularly like there were a couple of weeks that we missed but like that's a it's a lot of awesome sessions yeah they were so. a gun-ho group they, yeah. they stayed on schedule that was yeah. good Cool. Well, do you want to tackle the news before we get into all that? And, I'll, yeah, yeah. and uh, I was taken to heart. I did a lot of talking last week, so I'm going to let Jordan do a lot of talking this week. But <laughs> I got so much I want to say. But let's jump into that news. So I know um, I, I saw your first post there, so I'll let you talk about that because you you added that first piece to the news part, which we're both excited for. Oh, uh, yeah. So Acquisitions Incorporated, the book. Um, Wizards mm -hmm. of the Coast is publishing it with Penny Arcade, and that's going to come out June 18th. And I should probably put this in chat, but there's a really great article on D&D Beyond about uh, the... Uh the everything that's everything in that's in it they just kind of go yeah, on yeah. about it and so um yeah it's it's like super fun um it was a really good read it's gonna be a good book for both players and dungeon masters i think mm -hmm. uh which is the 
like that's the magic that Wizards of the Coast wants, where they want to sell a book to everybody that's interested in the hobby and not just uh, not just dungeon masters, you know. So right. that's really cool. Um, and if you pre-order it on the Penny Arcade store, you get a Penny Arcade pin. Um, which is their like little trading pins that they do at conventions and stuff of the acquisitions incorporated in green flame. Uh, and speaking of acquisitions incorporated, they had their game last night, right? They did. Yeah. yeah and it sounded and like it was amazing. We don't know anything about it yet, but uh, yeah. Jeremy Crawford ran it and apparently it had this huge cliffhanger or it was just like really amazing. Cause we uh, saw it on Twitter. So yeah. yeah, people on Twitter are still talking about it. So I'm excited to watch the VOD for that. Um, because Penny Arcade is near and dear to my heart. And I still think it's cool because that's like the third session he's done with the group taking over for Chris Perkins, which we all know and beloved DM for that group for yeah. so long. And it's been three solid sessions of them in Ravnica. So it's also mm -hmm. been Dungeons and Dragons embracing that Ravnica book they put out. So it wasn't that they were playing Dungeon of the Mad Mage or uh, Dragon uh, or Waterdeep Dragon Heist. I always get those mixed up. They were playing the Ravnica book still. So mm -hmm. I thought, oh, that's so cool. Um, so I can't wait to watch that one and see what happens. So no spoilers in chat, but I think it's cool. Like you said, with the book, because it is for DMS and players, because it had, not only can you try to play a fun and whiz whimsical game in forgotten realms, cause that's where acquisitions inks is, is you're playing like a corporate entity as it would pertain to a fantasy world, which yeah. is, and all the stuff you can do with that. You get all these titles and special abilities for what your job title is within the branch office. And there's like a new race, I think, that was listed in there. There might have even been something else for the players uh, in that. So there's some little things in there that even if you're, like you said, not a dungeon master, you might want the book because you might want to play using some of that new cool stuff they're putting out. They, they sprinkled it with enough stuff for everybody to be interested. So I can't wait. And I'm a huge fan. So obviously I'm going to buy that one for sure. I'm a sucker for this, the acquisition ink world. So it's super cool. I don't know if I could play Jerry's world as effectively as Jerry Holkins and that Chris Perkins could, but boy, it looks really fun. And I love watching their shows. I just like the idea of it. It's, it's such a, it's such a great hook for players of like, you have a business and you need to go out and adventure to build up this business and start little mm -hmm. franchise. I don't know. I just, I think it's going to be lots of fun and it's, it's such a great, well, I just said that, but it's such a great hook for players to mm -hmm. have a purpose in the game. Cause a lot of times players are like, I don't know, like, I guess we saved the princess, like, but why do I save the princess? And this really focuses on something that all players seem to have, which is greed. Like they mm -hmm. want magic items and they want money. So yeah. yeah. And then it smashes it together with like your favorite episodes of the office or any one of those mundane things where you're like cubicle warriors. And it's like, uh, corporate sent another mm -hmm. message that we got to do this. So you get to play a little bit of our world smashed into a cool fantasy world and it just has that perfect little blend of stuff that I like. And don't get me wrong, I love a full straight on dark fantasy game that has no mention of the, the modern world also. But I mean, every now and then I love the bringing together of the puns and bringing together of the, the clashing ideas of modern stuff and, and fantasy stuff, which is funny. Yeah, super so fun. I'm excited. That's gonna be really good. Book that's definitely on my list. We know Secrets of Salt Marsh is still coming out. Uh, that's the big book that we've been talking about for weeks. Haven't really gotten any more new information on that, um, but I think they've given us pretty much all they're going to. We've heard just about everything we can. We might see a few more page leaks here or there over the next week or two, 
and then we'll see the big stream and they'll do the big stream event and see how that all goes. Yeah, and that's where they're going to release more, not necessarily info on that book, but probably info on another book or, or just like awesome. what they're working on, maybe stream-wise or something like that. So, yeah. yeah. The other thing I uh, locked on to this week, uh, Jeremy did another talk about the Artificer that's out for the Unearthed Arcana article and talked more about their thinking and confirmed there's not only the two subclasses, they have more subclasses that they're going to release with that. Oh, really? So oh, there okay. are more versions of Artificer that they've already about to send out. And they said they didn't send the survey out because they want you to have access to those other things before they go ahead and send the full survey out. So that's why we haven't seen the survey for the class yet either. And what's cool is it's relevant for me because I'm actually play testing that in a campaign on Thursdays, which has been pretty fun so far. So that's super cool. When do you um, choose you know your subclass for Artificer? Three. Level three. So you're level one, they right? They talked about that. Yeah, yeah. And so you could potentially play these other ones if you didn't want to go the whole turret route that you went for the one shot. I could if they release yeah. soon enough. Yeah, yeah we'll yeah, see. For sure. We'll see. <laughs> um, so that was kind of cool. He talked about some of the things that I thought was interesting. On it. You can find it on the um, D&D channel. But just talking about some of the decisions they made and like why is it at third level and why didn't you make that choice at first level? There's a good discussion about that. He answers that question. Um, why the spell list is the way it is. Why some of the abilities. And he confirmed that that turret that pulses the... Uh, temporary hit points every single turn as a bonus action if you wish to use your bonus action you can pulse your turret for those um, temporary hit points and then they had the discussion about how temporary hit points work and stuff he also said something that was interesting rule wise um, about temporary hit points that if you drop temporary hit points that have a secondary condition on them and you choose to take a different higher total of temporary hit points that came from something else you lose the secondary condition. So is this idea of I, somewhere in there, somebody has a class that says, you get these five temporary hit points, and when you have these five temporary hit points, you can do this other thing. Like Armor but of Agathis, right? Like, yeah. like with those temporary hit points, when you get hit, you do cold damage, I think. Perfect, um, yeah. yeah. But if so those now, get- if I take yeah. the 10, I don't get the Armor of Agathis ones anymore. Right. So it was a very interesting thing. I still would love to hear the overall design reason behind uh, temporary hit points and he even said think about them as ablative armor things that shrug off the damage for you they're not additions to your hit points and i thought that's how they should have explained it in the book in the first place and not even use the temp hp terminology because it just gets weird when you add it into that regular hp total because really it's just like we said last week it's like more like just taking damage away from the roll versus adding more damage that i can take in my in my hit points. I guess it's a weird way to look at it, but I just, I like that explanation. So I was like, all right, that's cool. It's in the video. Yeah. Yeah. The only other thing I saw now, everybody's at, uh, or at least several people, many of the people are at oh, PAX. Everybody's East. there. Yeah. Except yeah, me. Yeah. And so you. we're seeing everybody's tons there. of that. <laughs> so they're all over having fun doing that. Um, so we didn't see too much else with, uh, videos. I watched through Greg Tito's video. And again, it was, it was more of the same. This is the same stuff we have out. I didn't see anything new being announced there even though he calls it D&D &D news. <laughs> I want to call him on it because I'm like, we haven't seen it. You're not giving us news. That was the same thing you said last mm -hmm. week um, type thing. But I did see just this morning as we were writing up our show notes, um, I saw a Twitter post go by that they've just announced that they're doing the um, Dungeon of the Mad Mage adventure board game. Yeah. Is coming out. 
and it's coming out in April, so super quick. We're, we're already uh, just a day or two away from that. Um, and it's going to play, it has like the, the dungeon tiles and it's the big board game that is very, it looked like it's compatible with the other one they put mm-hmm. out, which was the Tomb Annihilation, the big box. And, and before was, that, it was Wrath of Ashardalon and Legend yeah. of Dritzt and so Castle Ravenloft. Uh, they've been, they've been, it, it's yeah. a way to play D&D without a dungeon master. Um, mm-hmm. is the best way to put it. And they have been trying to make that a thing for a long time, and they finally did with this board game. So it seems like every new edition that comes out of the regular D&D storylines, they kind of like work it into that board game archetype. Um, and I bought a couple of those. Uh, actually, one one of them from Wizards of the Coast, they were doing a giveaway and actually won, and they, they mailed me a Legend of Drift's board game. And I was like, oh, this is really yeah. cool. I played it once. Uh, and it, it, it seems fun. I just can't find people to play it with me. Um, but it's really awesome to have the Bring minis. To like, oh, wait, well, it's a big box. I don't want to, like, fly things out to Gen Con. <laughs> okay. If I could drive to Gen Con. I'll, I'll but... bring my box with you. Yeah, yeah, and I'll play it with you. Me. That'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the minis are super useful, and it was really useful when I was getting into D&D because uh, you buy that and you just get, like, 50 minis. And I was like, oh, and they're not painted or anything, but, like, it's it's awesome. And so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let me give you the stats. on Now, there's a premium edition and a standard edition, and they do mention somewhere in on their page what the differences are. And I didn't really see the prices yet, but I assume they're the same as, like, you normally these ones sell. They're, like, 60, 70, 80 bucks, somewhere in that range because it's mm-hmm. a big box. But I saw... 42 single colored miniatures, five hero tiles, four villain tiles, a rule book, an adventure book, 20 sided die, 40 interlocking dungeon tiles, five double sided interlocking special tiles, 225 cards, and over 300 tokens. And it does mention that you can use the traps and spell decks um, from Tomb of Annihilation work in this new system. And they have a way for you to play anywhere from two to five players for one plus hours and it feels like you can play it as a um, almost like a campaign so it seems like you can go in multiple yeah. times and yeah. there's some type of log sheet yep. of you going into this thing and tackling this thing over and over so that it is... has that replayability to it so that sounds kind of cool that is so. exactly how it works i it's haven't really played fun. one yet maybe this year will be the first year i get to try one of these out um done by whiz kids so i think it'd be pretty fun yeah um i I don't know. I like them. There's I, and I should probably, I'll see if I can find this photo, but there's a great photo where uh, my wife agreed to play this with me. um, Mm -hmm. And she gets a little overburdened by rules sometimes. And there's a lot of rules because you're playing both your character and the monsters because it's a DM list situation. And there's a great Mm -hmm. photo where she just has her hand on her head and she's like, what? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. Thanks for playing with me. Yay. It's fun. Um, yeah, like yeah, anyway. we did. Let me see if I can do it right here. Like when I brought the um, legendary game to Gen Con last year, and we sat up and played that late yeah. night. And that was one of those things we're all trying. There's lots of rules to it. There's lots of things going on, but eventually, once you get going, it was yeah. really fun for all of us to to sit down and play around with that. So it'd be cool to have another one for this year. So you Gen Con attendees who are going to come hang out with us one of those nights at Gen Con, sitting in a hotel doing nothing. Maybe we'll bring one of these games and we'll get to play uh, one of these cool board games. Yeah, for sure. They're fun. That's what happened last time. Like we just met up with <laughs> random people. We're like, do you want to play games? And they're like, yeah. Yeah. Yep. You guys know who you are. Uh, but that was about all I saw for news. Yeah. Um, those were all the things I caught. I'm catching up on some of the cool shows I'm liking. Like I'm still liking Matt Colville's The Chain. 
I'm still trying to get caught up on a couple of the last episodes of Critical Role because they sounded pretty interesting. Um, I bounce around a little bit, and I got to get caught up with this Acking show that happened last night. So I got yeah. a bunch to watch coming up. That's probably what I'm going to do today if I can find it on Twitch, the VOD. Yeah. Um, in yeah. other news, I I bought a book. Oh. Um, it's really pretty. So this is like I don't do. I've never done this before, but this is print on demand from Drive Through RPG. And I like this is a pretty good, good quality book for like something that they they print on demand. Like I kind of was expecting it to well, maybe the glue's coming off a little bit. It's I don't know. We'll uh, see how how <laughs> how much use I get out of this, but yeah. uh I was wondering um, about quality. It's a uh, it's a book called The Nightmares Underneath. It's a tabletop RPG. And I don't know uh reading through it it seems like mechanically the game is uh it's a tabletop role playing game but mechanically they try to take a bunch of things from different games like some mm -hmm. of them are like a roll under mechanic and some of them are a d20 plus mechanic and some of them are um a d6s like uh roll 3d6s and if it's a 5 or a 6 it's a success and so like they it seems like they're taking all these different mechanics from Monster of the Week and, and different tabletop role playing games and try to apply all of them which mm -hmm. is confusing to me. So mm -hmm. I don't know uh I bought this book because it's got a whole bunch of spells that you can use for Dungeons and Dragons. Like it's and so if you want to have that your wizard find that you know your player that is so uh, has the player's handbook exactly memorized. This yeah. is a way to like present them a spell that they're just like, here's a spell you've never seen before because magic is supposed to be like, I've never seen this before, you know? Yeah. Um, so I really like it for that. But then I was reading through it and the, the world seems really interesting because there's this underground or this underworld where uh, evil festers and it's trying to attack the kingdom of dreams. Like it's trying to attack you in your dreams. And so you as players are special and you're able to like go into the nightmare realm and fight off these things and bring back prizes and, and keep evil away. And I was like, that just seems like a really cool campaign setting. And so yeah. I might utilize some of this as my players are in the Shadowfell <laughs> uh, with my other home campaign. Um, and so anyway, it, it's called The Nightmares Underneath. And it's uh, actually free on DriveThruRPG if you want to check it out. So Cool. But I assume then the printed version you paid a few bucks for? Yeah, or? yeah. Uh, it was $30, I think, to get okay. the printed version. To get a printed so, version. Um, and anyway, Nightmares Underneath they have two versions of the book on drive through RPG and one is free without the art. And then another one is like, I don't know, five or $10 with the art. So basically oh, they cool. were like, we can release this without the art for free if we, because we own it. Um, but they wanted to do it, but it's, it's interesting. So, and there's a companion book that I also got cause I, I buy a lot of books and this is the, the nameless grimoire and it's full of all the spells. Um, that are utilized so it's like a complete book of spells and a complete book of rules but uh i don't know i just wanted to talk about that really quick because i've yeah, got a new book cool. and i get excited about new tabletop rpgs so excited we'll see if i get a chance to play it because i'm so busy doing everything else um yeah. not only not only this but i have uh, uh i think we've talked about it before but the game mothership yes um i have one of my players in my hot springs island game really wants to play mothership so i bought that along with the adventure the dead planet which is the mothership adventure and i need to read through that and really familiarize myself with the rules before i attempt to run a game like that i'm much more 
I was much more like, let's play Dungeon Crawl Classics or Kids on Bikes because I know those systems. And they yeah, were like, what about Mothership? <laughs> yeah, on your Twitter poll, I voted Mothership, so you'd have to play it, but I don't think it went out. On, on <laughs> and then, I, you know, honestly, if I learn it really well, I should run Mothership for you guys and we should stream yeah, yeah. it online because, like, I'm sure Sean, who wrote Mothership, would love that because uh, more publicity for the game because it is a really cool game. Um, yeah, from cool. from the podcast that I listened to, I really liked it, so I would like to play. <laughs> Super cool. Yeah. That's uh, it for our news, though. That was a news, yeah. slow week. Well, not too slow, but um, a little bit here and there trickled out. So that's good. No, it's just one of those calms before the storm kind of thing. Uh, there's going to yeah. be lots of stuff coming up. But uh, what's what's going on in games, Mr. Lucian? Well, my my Thursday night game. Wait a minute. Let me set my timer. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> let's do it. You get five minutes and then you shut up. No, go right ahead, though. Um, Thursday night was our um, Horde of the Dragon Queen start of the uh, big module there that I haven't got to play yet. It's official module, which I love. And uh, damn it, Barry is our DM, and we've got a really good player cast going on. Um, we played a non-stream session last week just to test things out and let the group kind of get to know each other because we were all, we hadn't played with each other before and it went really well. And then Thursday night went really well. We had first level characters. Um, this will obviously be the spot where I talk about play testing the artificer. And so far, first level, pretty underwhelming. <laughs> yeah. Just because you don't have your artificer stuff yet. You have just a few spell slots and you've really got to be careful how you use them. And then you don't have a lot of your cool abilities yet. But it was still fun. It made me try to think of ways to get around stuff when you have limited resources or limited things you can do. And to remember that your character doesn't have to be able to do everything in every situation. That's why you have a party and that's yeah. why you have other characters. So if you can't do something in that situation, just lean into helping the person who can do something. And so that was really fun. And so it was just a good, fun first session to get things going. I think Dammit Barry's doing a really good job. Um, it is theater of the mind and I'm still, cause I run so many games using roll 20 and virtual tabletops and be able to see minis and move around. Mm -hmm. I forget how much I love that versus theater of the mind. So I, it's a struggle for me at the moment, just because I really like the detail of positioning and moving and that kind of stuff, but we're still having fun. We're making a great story We're we're at a nice cliffhanger spot in the very beginning and things are going great. So I'm having a, a lot of fun playing that gnome artificer and i can't wait till we play again next week which is always the the telltale the best thing to know is your campaign going good is when your players say i can't wait till next week so yeah. that's when you know so that's good and we talked what? like for hours after the session because we were all really excited why uh horde of the dragon queen why did damn it barry choose that one of all I the other ones ask him why he chose that one as his first ever i think this is his first time being a dungeon master okay he decided to stream it at the same time exactly like the way lucian did it and exactly the way if you go back to a lot of the other saturday morning D, &D shows he says don't put this pressure on yourself but yeah i wanted to stream the first game i ever gm'd or played and he's doing the same thing he didn't mention maybe i'll ask him um on our show next thursday and say how'd you choose this one yeah um and not that you won't have fun and not that it mm -hmm. is a bad adventure, but I think it's rated as like the lowest uh, of, of all the published adventures. Yeah. Like a lot of people kind of regard it as being the one that's like 
from a not from a player perspective but from a dm perspective kind of clunky to navigate around and so that's uh-huh. why i'm just like there's there's other ones that would be a little friendlier to you if you're a first-time dm but well, i wonder so if that's why i'm curious why you chose it. That. that's the problem yeah, right? because that's true they're not even in deep enough to know what everybody's been saying usually they're so new that they're just picking something so i wonder if he just i'll ask him because that's a cool question to ask him yeah the first adventure he decided to try was Dragon on the Mount. So, well, that's we, a great introductory adventure. Well, so there I mean, you go. All kinds so, of yeah. people like that. That's, I mean, it's got four reviews on DMs Guild. They're right. all five star. It must be really good. <laughs> Fantastic. So that was the big thing. So don't want to get too much more into that one. That one's a big standard first session, first level characters had some fun. And then we played last night till two or three in the morning. And I decided because I had so much fun a week ago running through my second time of Dragon on the Mount, I thought, wait a minute, Jordan says in his little adventure, you could just drop this into your campaign anywhere. So why don't I do that? So I dropped it into the middle of my campaign with some adjustments to work so that it made sense in my storyline. And I ran my crew through it last night and it, it seemed pretty epic. Just to give you an idea, let me switch a screen here. Let me read off to you just a couple of things the players sent to me. They've been nonstop talking about it since last night and this morning. Uh, here is one of the, um, oh, I should have had it just posted up. Uh, there's where they're saying, sorry, I had to leave early because it was so cool. Dire wolves, kobolds, a roper, and a red dragon. That's the best night of monsters I've had since we started playing. And pack tactics suck. That was one. Of them. <laughs> uh, so that was from one of the players. And then uh, the other one sent me. That was maybe my favorite series of encounters in this new Revenar setting. This keeps getting better and better. So all of this just makes them guys think that I'm the best DM in the world because yeah. I ran your adventure, which is so good. <laughs> they don't even know that it wasn't even mine. <laughs> oh, I still need to run that so for uh, my group of friends. Uh, my Hot Springs Island people were like, well, let's play this adventure that you're running. And I was going to run them on Roll20 so they could get a feel for playing on the internet. Um, yeah. And then it just never happened. But yeah. uh, maybe I'll talk to them tomorrow and be like, we should like resurrect this and, and play yeah. through it because it'll be like one or two nights maybe. Um, so without spoiling it for those that you may want to run it or you may get to play it some dm runs it for you i won't really spoil the storyline i had to cut off the first part because i didn't have a town um, that they were coming out of so and we do a skill check in the beginning already for when they travel out to where they're going on their expedition and i didn't want to do a second skill check right away so i kind of brought that piece out but they they track down this dragon things happening and they they're in there and they're fighting and things are going really good. It is streamed. So if you want to go watch how my group did, and let me tell you, they were shocked within the first round or two, how effective kobolds can be when your GM plays them to be effective and how effective a roper can be against your group when he plays them to really be effective. They were, they were, I remember watching them type to themselves we are getting our butts kicked by kobolds and they were shocked at times. So they prevailed, they did really well, but they got beat up so bad that they didn't get to the end. They decided to go home and lick their wounds. So they have returned to town. They have not finished dragon on the mount. So we're going to see what happens uh, if they ever decide to go back or if they're just going to leave it alone because it's this big, scary dragon that they're all little, little itty bitty. Um, I kept egging them on because they're supposed to be heroes and adventurers, but 
they weren't buying it. They were really worried about a dragon. So it was yeah, really fun. is it? Uh, what level are they? They were a mix of um, twos and threes. Ooh, okay. But they're a optimized group. Okay. Two barbarians, a blade singer, um, a druid, a totem druid of some sort, and then a swashbuckling rogue. So they are like a Ginsu of melee combat. And they're all veteran players who know how to tweak and twink their rules to get to the best things they can. And I had to use every piece of tactics with those kobolds to give them a challenge the other thing i've been doing this is now the one thing i wanted to, to bring up as the actual gm tip of the week for me my group is a strong group no matter what they do so if i try to use regular cr it doesn't typically work on them they blow through that stuff pretty quick and i think even like the way you set your module up if i left it exactly as was I think they would have gotten through it a little bit too quickly. It wouldn't have been too much of a challenge. I only made one change in the whole module that that for my group was the right change. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying this is what you should do for all of your groups. You guys, for you GMs, you have to decide what's right for your group and what will work. The one change I did is when you look at a stat for the, uh, the creature, instead of using the hit points that are listed, I use what their dice roll and bonus modifier is. So it'll say something like, this creature is a 4d8 plus two hit dice creature, mm -hmm. then I use the maximum number. So oh, whatever wow. the 4d8 plus the two equals, that's what these creatures will have. So, and that's what the, the range is supposed to be is in case you want to randomly roll up your hit points so that you have varying hit points for your creatures, which I have done in other campaigns where I've rolled them all so that it really felt like each one was a little different. And you didn't have the player who was like, all right, guys, this guy has 46 hit points in the player, you know, in the monster manual. So we just got to do 46 points of damage to him. If you roll those up, it makes it hard for them to tell. Well, mm -hmm. this one I went with theirs. Everything had maximum HP according to their stat block. And that made it run really well for my highly optimized group. And it made it fun, challenging, and they've all had a blast. So nice. That was the cool thing. So they had a lot of fun. They may go back. They may not. They keep going to these places that are, they went out to the Black Pyramid. They they clear out level one, but it's been mm -hmm. so hard that they, they race home before they get attacked again. They never go farther down. They went out to this old monastery, clear out first level. Oh, nope, too hard to go down. Next level, they go <laughs> home. They went to this cave. They cleared out some cobalts. Oh, nope, not going to clear out the rest of the back of the cave. This is too crazy. So they keep leaving these spots of evil to fester out in this world because they can't quite finish any of these things off. Too so funny. it's been very interesting in this campaign. So that was our last night and it was super fun. They've been talking about it all morning long. I've been seeing in our discord, it's just been going on and on and on about how much fun they had and the stuff they did. And they didn't realize the ropers could reach out so far. They didn't realize this thing could do that. And, oh, and the, the really fun um, uh, inventor, that's in that I got mm -hmm. to use one of them stayed alive long enough that I got to use seven of the eight possibilities that they have. Oh, so nice. That's we had, fun. yeah, we had all kinds of cool stuff. Wasps, skunks, slime. <laughs> we had, we had it all. It was really good. So it was a fun, fun adventure for them. And I'm glad they all really enjoyed it. And now they all think I'm the best DM ever. So it's really Heck cool. Yeah. And all I had to do was run your adventure. So uh, you, you probably guys. are the best DM ever. Who knows? <laughs> Makes me really want to write another one. I have a couple ideas, but like oh, I've just been so busy. Now. 
but uh, I should write another one. And then I was talking with some of my patrons about running it, uh, like basically playtesting it with them. And they were just like, really? And I'm like, well, yeah, I need to playtest it. And so yeah. why not? You guys are cool. <laughs> <laughs> but that's awesome. That's cool. So cool. So that was it. Two good games, um, two good solid D&D 5e stuff. And I'm looking forward for the next week coming up. So what did Jordan do? It seems like we had a climactic ending that we're all waiting to hear about. No, we finished Hot Springs Island. It's over, ladies and gentlemen, uh, which is really awesome. Um, really sad at the same time. Uh, and we kind of, well, I'll get into this in a little bit, but we did like a, a postmortem. We kind of just chatted about the, the ending of the campaign afterwards for like 45 minutes or so. And uh, they were like, how much do you think we actually explored of this module? And I was like, I think like maybe 60 70% is kind of pushing it, but I was like, I want to say you got about 60% of the island explored, all the different things that you could have done. And they were just like, what? Like, there's more? And I'm like, yeah, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a big campaign. Like, there's lots of stuff you can do. And it's not, like, story-driven where you're going to hit these, like, major... Like, I'm thinking of Out of the Abyss, because I've read Out of the Abyss several yeah, times. Everything's and kinda... it, it is like, you kind of do random encounters until you hit the next big thing. And then you kind of do random encounters until you hit the next big thing. And this isn't like this, like you explore and it's whatever you hit, you know? And so there's a lot of things that I don't want to say that they missed out on, but there's a lot of things that, that just didn't happen because of the, the direction and the path they went and then the choices they made. But going back two weeks, because last week I didn't get to chat much about it. Uh, they were doing the uh, mass combat. We were talking about the mass combat. And so yeah. my players got all of the night axe ogres to kind of flank around the volcano. And they had two groups that were hiding in the side. And then they walked forward and they've got this gem called the gem of Zumacalis. And they know that Sparku wants it. The, the big bad Afrit that kind of controls the volcano and most of the island. And so they were waving it around. Like, if you come out, like we'll give you this. Um, and then they backstabbed him and kind of was like, no, you can't have this. And he, escaped back into his his tower and he sent out hordes and hordes of salamanders so then we had our big mass combat fight against basically five groups of night axe ogres versus five or six groups of salamanders but because of their positioning they were able to get like advantage and do some other cool stuff and they had like rage mechanics and uh it was i feel like it was a balanced fair fight uh, they lost about a bunch on their side. The salamanders ended up losing as a whole. And then when the fight was kind of like tipping in the direction of the night axe ogres, all of my players decided to leave the fight because they were kind of commanding certain, uh, certain groups of night axe ogres. They decided to leave the fight and then ran, uh, to the volcano to like fight Svarku. So we turned that into mm -hmm. a skill challenge. And I mean, you know me, like I love skill challenges. So it was like, mm -hmm. how are you, how are you evading these salamanders? How are you climbing up this volcano? How are you doing all this other stuff? Um, they had to get eight successes before three failures. And it came down to the wire. They had seven successes, two failures. It was down to the last guy. He ended up rolling a natural 20. I forget what he did exactly, but like they succeeded. So they were there. They, they, uh, we're at the base of the volcano. Um, within the volcano is some red crystal. And Sparku's mining this red crystal and yeah. exporting it somewhere. But the side effect of this red crystal is if you sniff it, you become ethereal for like a little bit. So they sniffed this red crystal to ethereally, ethereally 
uh, float up and kind of bypass most, most of the security defenses to get to the top floor. Um, they find Sparku uh, hiding under his bed in his bedchamber. And they were like, what the hell is going on with this guy? Because like, he's the big bad guy and he, he looks like a badass. Like he's huge. He's red. He's muscular. But the book specifically says like, you know, he's a coward and he, he takes the easy way yeah. out. Yeah, uh, They've already had this picture of what he was and yeah. had no idea that he was something different. Nice. And he's really vain. And there's, there's a lot of it's, it was really fun to role play because they were quite shocked to get up there and just be like, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, you hear something under the bed. And they're like, but so he's just hiding. And I'm like, I don't know. You just hear something under the bed. That's what you get. So they flip over the bed. What? (laughs) You might be crying. Yeah. He might be crying. crying? No, you're crying. (laughs) So they flip over the bed and he's just like, well, you caught me. Like, what do you Mm -hmm. want? We kind of had an exchange. They were like, well, a couple of them wanted to negotiate with them because these guys don't necessarily need to overthrow or defeat Sfarku to win. They need money because the whole thing is they are indentured servants to the Martell company and they need lots of money to get rid of their indentured servitude. Like Mm -hmm. they have to pay off their debt. Basically they don't know how much money they need, but um, they, they definitely need some cash. Uh, Sfarku has money and he's like, well, we can negotiate a little bit, but you got to give me that, gem of Zumacalis. Like I need that gem more than you do. And the, he, they didn't really incite him to ask him why he needed it. Well, they did <laughs> ask him why he needed it. They tried to do a detect thought spell, but that didn't work. That failed. Um, yeah. But there was a couple of questions they asked where he straight up lied to them. And I'm like, well, if nobody's going to incite him, then that's what, mm-hmm. what it is. Uh, back and forth, back and forth. Finally, um, I think my players had just had enough of it. And they're just like, we're just going to take you out and take the money that's here. So they attack him. Um, he ends up summoning a bunch of fire imps. He summons a fire elemental to make it like more of a balanced fight. So it's not four players against one Afrit. Um, mm-hmm. And it's that classic, like this is, I love fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons, but if I had one particular thing to pick about, it's that the players are more, the players are overpowered in comparison to monsters like the that fight yeah. by the numbers should have been crazy um and i even got a high initiative to kind of start the fight and do a bunch of cool stuff they uh ended up casting some ice magic they like they were tactical they kind of went, uh, ran away into a um uh, hallway and funneled a bunch of the monsters into like one choke point so that they could do like a, a cool kind of you know take them down one by one. Uh, I was really sad that I didn't end up taking anybody to zero. Uh, mm-hmm. The fight kind of like it should have been in my favor, but players are just really powerful in fifth edition. And I yes. don't know what else to say. Like, <laughs> like they're overly powerful and it's going to be really interesting for my players. When we start playing dungeon crawl classics where they're just like, what? Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm dead. And I'm like, yep, you're dead because monsters are really powerful in dungeon crawl classics. It's, it's a completely different game. Yeah, I just like that. I, I love that. I got to bring one of the characters down to zero last night and I had a great big smile on my face because I at least got <laughs> one of them down yeah. to zero. And I remember he, I, the tone in his voice was like, oh, this is bad. And I'm like, no, your group's going to get you. Don't you're you are nowhere near dying here but it was so good to get one of you to go down. <laughs> got to create that urgency, you know? Yeah. yeah. So 
Sparku ended up hiding in his room as they like the monsters chased them out of the room. When they came back to fight Sparku, they found that he was missing and he was out of the mm-hmm. room. And they're just like, well, where is he? They kind of assumed he was invisible, but they didn't really know where he was. And so they were doing perception checks. They were kind of checking around for stuff. Um, Sparku ended up, and this was just perfect because the, the cleric who has the gem of Zumacalis positioned himself for a really great, like, I'm going to steal the gem and then I'm going to like run away as fast as I can and have a clear shot at running away because they were all kind of searching in the wrong direction. So he was invisible. Sparku appeared, uh, rolled really well and snatched the gem out of his hand and took off running. Uh, the gem is really important because, uh, Sparku has like basically an infinity gauntlet that the gem fits into. And they were wondering what would happen if the two were to join, like, does he snap his fingers and everybody's gone? Like, we don't know. Um, he ends up joining the gem and the gauntlet has, when it's paired with the gem, gravity powers. So there was a lot of like flipping the creatures or flipping the players up to the ceiling and slamming them down to the ground for a bunch of damage. There was a lot of like pushing them away um, to keep them at bay from Svarku. Uh, they were still throwing arrows, doing all kinds of magic and stuff at him. They got him down to five hit points uh, before I was like, I need to get him out of here because he's got a last ditch effort, which is to blow up the island and and one of those things like if you can't have it i can't have it kind of things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so sparku sits on his magical throne which allows him to teleport to other thrones within the island that he has set up he teleports to the basement there's a altar there for molotech and molotech is this giant fire god that lives in the belly of the earth um, eternally fighting this serpent that's trying to destroy the world um, there's a whole like mythology to Hot Springs Island, um, but he wants to summon Molotech. So as my players are are running down trying to find Sparku, they notice that a lot of these fire imps are like flying towards the volcano, and they all start chanting Molotech, Molotech, and they're just like, well, that's not ominous at all. That's kind of fun. Um, they get to the very bottom. They see that he's casting some kind of ritual. Uh, Mirgrit, our ranger, fires an arrow, does seven damage, ends up killing Sparku uh, because he only had five hit points left. His blood falls down, spills on the altar, and the earth starts to tremble as Molotech has been summoned. So they defeated Sparku. But on the flip side, now they've got to deal with this. So we had another skill challenge to kind of get out of this erupting volcano, which was really fun because I love skill challenges. Um, (laughs) And then the ultimate kind of capstone to the adventure was, you know, you guys have a giant breathing fire demon monster that is basically the size of the volcano, kind of waist deep in the volcano, uh, hurling magma everywhere. What do you do? And they were just like, I like, what do we do? Um, they were really clever. They ultimately decided that there was a device called the rusted Hydra that they, they like way back, probably four or five months ago, they encountered this thing and it flooded the entire area. So they coordinated with the night axe ogres. They coordinated with the water nymphs to flood the area and then push the water up the volcano to basically extinguish this guy and hopefully he'll go away uh so we had kind of a a skill challenge for that because i like skill challenges i don't know i feel like i'm just rambling but it was really epic and really fun (laughs) Um, lots of skill challenges lots of skill challenges 
And then ultimately, that's kind of how we ended it. The the monster receded back into the volcano. Um, Svarku was supposed to control him, but with Svarku dead, he kind of just did some damage and then left. Uh, and they were like, could we have fought that guy? And I'm like, well, it was a CR-24 monster. You could have tried, but I think that would have killed you. Um, <laughs> and then ultimately, they, they discovered Svarku's secret uh, cache of money. They found 12 mm-hmm. boxes full of gem and gold. They took that gem and gold to the Martell company um, and they were really cautious about it. And they were like, well, let's just do like one chest at a time to see like how much money. Cause we want to keep some of this money. Um, but ultimately they got to keep, I think like 700 gold pieces each by the end mm-hmm. of it. So they made some profit. Uh, they paid their debt, paid huh? their debt. Their tattoos are gone. They're now free men, free men and women. Cause we have a female sorcerer. Um, what are they going to do with all of this freedom? Are they going to live on the island? Are they going to do this? Well, again, like four months ago, they found a teleport um, circle that yeah. they went into, but there's a barrier that protects Hot Springs Island. Uh, with the Molotech fire demon coming up out of the lava, he destroyed uh, that barrier that was protecting hot springs island so now hot springs island is open to anybody that wants to they decided to jump through that portal and we ended the campaign with them flying off into the sky not knowing where they're going to go next and we'll see if we bring back these characters and keep playing um ideally the company that made hot springs island they want to make other uh other campaigns for the various islands that are in the swordfish islands Mm-hmm. And so I really want them to have another Kickstarter and get it going so that we could have these characters again and they could land on another island and we could keep playing. But maybe I'll do some weird planner adventures and they'll go somewhere else. Like, I don't know. Spell jammer, spell or jam- spell jammer. Spell jammer. <laughs> <laughs> but it was cool. it was interesting. It's always and, and I guess what I wanted to talk about is ending campaigns. Like, how do you end yeah. a campaign? Because uh, it's it's difficult to have a memorable ending and then also something that kind of like wraps up everything else. Um, Mm -hmm. And for me, I think the ending really happened when we, we decided after they jumped through the portal and the game officially ended, we ended up talking for like another 45 minutes about um, just the game itself. What, what did you have fun? What are most memorable moments? Was it challenging? Was it, was it uh, just about the game? And I ended up recording that and I'm going to put it on my Patreon. So if you guys are interested, uh, it'll be there. Possibly it'll be in, in a working video. I'm going to make a video on kind of my thoughts on hot springs Island for my main channel. But Mm -hmm. if you want the raw unedited conversation, um, I'm going to put that up on Patreon. It's, gonna be it it was really cool it was a really cool conversation to see and we talked about a lot of the stuff that they did do that was different from the book and things like that but i don't know in your in your gaming career lucian how many how many books have you or how many campaigns have you officially finished and how did you i'm the terrible gm that doesn't quite get to the end of a lot of them and it's either due to scheduling or i get interested in something else which is the most um so we've only done a few so the pre-campaign before we started the west marches game we actually did i had a start and ending to that um because then our our true campaign started 50 years later and i wanted to it was a test run and but we allowed them to have a really good climactic ending that was a fun scene to have that everybody 
um, enjoyed. And then I let them do like an epilogue for their character. So they got to talk about Ooh, I like that. You know, what did your character go do? And I, and they had free reign on whatever their character ended up doing after the fact. Um, so I think that was pretty fun. And my idea is to lean into that more, I think for each of the campaigns, like, cause eventually this West marches one will come to an end at some point. Um, and I think I'll do the same thing where we, we have some nice big, final moment that's epic in some way it's what everything has led up to it decides something one way or the other who knows what it'll be decided mm -hmm. but then at the end of that let the players then say okay what did your character do ever after you know type thing and then because i like the idea of characters still having more story that could be told yeah but we didn't role play it it's just it's story you can tell or we could go back to it if at some point we all just decide to do it um, and leave it open enough that they had more adventures or they went off and did more stuff and it was cool. And now let's start thinking about that next new good thing that we're going to do or play or, or get into. Um, it was interesting I, with yeah. this game because they really want to keep playing these characters at some point. And it yeah. made me think of the ending to that Numenera game that I played on Saber Dice. Um, this mm -hmm. was a long time ago, but Mike did a really good job of that started with a flashback and then ended with an epilogue where we kind of flashed forward. So the, mm -hmm. the game starts and we're on a boat, but we were all flashing back to why did you become an adventurer? And then when we ended the campaign, it flashed forward with what did you do post adventure? And we were able to kind of to have a closure for our, our, our characters. And I really liked that. And this mm -hmm. one, I think the closure for me was that 45 minute hour long conversation we had after we finished and everyone was just able to kind of like reflect on the adventure, which was really cool. So gosh, it was fun though. We had, I mean, it was epic. And, uh, the, the show Metalocalypse has, um, the, the fake band in Metalocalypse death clock has a metal song called awaken. And so I was like, you guys kind of hear this, this, these drums planting or chanting and stuff like, or these drums playing and people chanting. And I ended up playing the Metalocalypse awaken song when Molotech was rising out of the volcano and everyone was like, what's happening. And it was just yeah. lots of, lots of things that I had prepped and, and, and it was fun. It was just really yeah. epic and fun. And, and I think it's, it's something we probably forget or we're not as close to as dungeon masters, especially the types of dungeon masters that do more dungeon master and they don't get to play as much. Like they're always the dungeon master. Yeah. We forget how much the players get attached to their characters. I mean, we yeah. know they like them, but we, we forget that drive or that need to see what's the next thing for this. I want to see what happens in their story. I want to see what they look like at 20th level. I want to see how this thing resolves. But as a DM, we're always thinking about the storyline. Okay, the storyline's complete. It was all cool. I have all these millions of other cool ideas mm -hmm. that we can do now. Let's jump into them. Yeah. And I just, you know, but when you're a player, you do get attached to uh, the storyline of that player you've been playing for a long time, right? That character, that hero. That yeah, because my mindset is like, oh, let's start a new campaign and like new yeah. stuff. And they're just like, well, can we play the same characters? And I'm like, no, yeah. like we're yeah, starting no. a new, you start <laughs> a new character. What? Why would we do that? Uh, yeah, one of my, one of my players, the cleric, he, he ended up getting the, the gauntlet with the gem. And I told him that I was like, no, there's no stats for this in Hot Springs Island. It just kind of says that it's a game changing device. 
So I'm going to have to make up some rules for it if we continue these characters. And he's like, oh, okay, that's cool. Uh, 30 minutes after we ended, he left my house. I got a text message from him. And he's like, so can you stat that out? Because I kind of want to yeah. I want to oh, put see. an item on D&D Beyond that, that reflects that. And I was like, I'll yeah. figure something out. But like, I don't know yeah. what it can do. I just made it up when yeah. when uh, he had it, not really anticipating that you guys would have this gauntlet at some point as well. So. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting I get messages from my players a bunch like that now where it's like I'll say something just as a flavor text and then they're like, "Oh, okay, we want the rules on how we're going to do that." Like, you know, like, "Oh, the dwarves made this thing that was kind of cool." And they're like, "Okay, can we make cool things? How do we make cool things? Yeah. Can we <laughs> We need crafting rules. Can we have crafting rules?" So I'm just like, "Oh like, my god, guys." Uh, yeah. No, I'm right there with you. <laughs> Settle it down. <laughs> but like they I don't know. They love it. Like, and yeah, he's, they get he, into it. he definitely wants to keep this character now because of that uh, gauntlet that he has. And he's just like, yeah. no, it like does really cool things. Like what, Wait. what does it do? I want, I need to know mechanically. <laughs> I need to know. And I was like, uh, and there was a, another aspect of them. Like, cause uh, one of the players, uh, the, the sorcerer, sh he was always asking like about the Sopopa fields because they keep mm -hmm. talking about this magical drug that the elves took called Sopopa, but they couldn't find it anywhere. Um, like distilled so that they could actually ingest the drug. And I was telling them, I'm like, no, it's weird that you didn't find that because it is kind of everywhere, but we didn't roll randomly for you to actually encounter that. But that's mm -hmm. another thing where it says when they find Sopopa that it's this game-changing drug and you need to do something to basically sometimes even double their stats in attacks and defense and things like that. Like when they take this drug, it does crazy things. Uh, and so I thought, well, I'll just double their proficiency with everything because that's pretty, pretty game changing. If all of a sudden you get like a plus three or a plus four to every saving throw, every attack, every skill check, but then coming down from this drug, uh, there's a D 20 table that you roll that has all these really nasty effects. So if you don't keep taking the drug, then bad things happen. And if you take it for too long and get addicted, if you stop taking it, you can die. So he was like, oh, it's probably good we didn't find that then because I might have like, <laughs> like you can't leave Hot Springs Island because you still need this drug, you know? And uh, yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. It was lo <laughs> lots of fun things that didn't happen. But like yeah. one of the really great things about this adventure is they kind of made the story themselves. And mm -hmm. um, Nathan, one of my players had a really good point where he was like, I don't, he's like, because we're all really good friends, like playing this, we kind of found the story and we found the adventure and we were able to craft it together, which is kind of the beauty of Hot Springs Island. Mm -hmm. I would never take this to Adventure League and be like, let's play in the Hot Springs Island. I just don't think it would work with people that have never played with each other, people mm -hmm. that ne not, aren't necessarily friends and not not they don't know what to do because yeah. in a lot of those scenarios, you need a... Uh, a railroad you need a handhold to be like no you you want to go in the dungeon because that's where the adventure is um whereas this one was like you guys can go anywhere like what do you want to <laughs> do so you have to have the right group for that too because i've done that with some groups and they just they just flounder with the there and they'll say the words they'll be like well we don't know where you want us to go and yeah. i'm like i don't want you to go anywhere i just want this world to live around you and i want you guys to live in it but they're just like yeah but where do you want us to go where's where's the big storyline where's the big thing so there yeah. are people that really just love a good storyline and i know we call it a railroad as if it's a bad thing but yeah some people love it and then other groups are about that open sandbox style wait we can go anywhere we can do anything we can turn this into any type of campaign we want 
just by our actions. We don't have to do what you want. You don't have anything planned. Nope, I don't have anything planned. That's like my my West marches right now. There is no big grand storyline. There is mm -hmm. a bunch of things that exist in the world, and my players bump into them and they react to that happening. And mm -hmm. That's that's the world. That's what's going on. Yeah, um, I, so I was even saying plan. like you you could have ran into Sfarku first and sided with him because these like nasty night axe ogres are causing him all these problems and like you want to like go and convince the night axe ogres to be uh, to be uh, to work in the mines again because that's kind of what mm -hmm. they were for and and I don't know like you could have taken this in a completely different direction but every time I bring that up uh, the cleric would be like but he is a bad guy and I was like oh no he's he's not a good person. But like, if you guys just wanted money, he was the one creature on the island that had money. Like the elves didn't have money. The um, the Nidax ogres didn't care about money. The lizard folk didn't care about money. The water nymphs didn't need money. Like you guys wanted money more than anything, but nobody else had any gold, nor did they care about gold. Cause you can't mm -hmm. eat gold. You can't make weapons from gold. Why would gold be important, you know? Yeah. So. And I like a good ambiguous villain who is you're, and they always are asking you, he, he's evil, right? And you're just like, I don't know. You have to make your own decisions yeah. about, are you are they evil or are you the evil ones? Are yeah. you the <laughs> Yeah, it was fun. There was a lot of NPCs. Uh, one thing that I wanted to really do, and I know Nathan's watching, so he'll get a kick out of this, is that they kind of burned these two adventurers that they found um, named uh, uh, Jack the Jeweler and Audrey. Um, mm -hmm. and they, they palled around with him for a little bit until they got into some trouble and Jack, the jeweler, like, like F this. And he took off. He's just like, I'm not going to die for you. And then later they burned him pretty bad. They were just like, so you just took off and left us to die, you know, like get out of here. Like, we don't care about you anymore. Like you're not following mm -hmm. us. And he was like, fine. And I had planned an encounter with them returning, working for Svarku. But uh, it would have made the night like a four hour game night. And we only had like three hours to play. But uh, that would have been that was an adventure that I wanted. I wanted them to come back and basically be like, oh, uh, you you burned us and you said that we weren't good enough to fight with you. But I'm going to fight against you and you can see how good of how, how good we are in the fight. So. So we know it was a good campaign. We know it was a good ending. We know you liked playing it. We know your players liked playing it. Yeah. But that means it's done. What are you going to be talking about next Saturday? Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen now. <laughs> Well, I'm still no playing in made. still playing in my in Nathan's game where I'm playing the Warforged. We're gonna do that tomorrow, okay. um, and then we're gonna start Dungeon Crawl Classics on Tuesday. Um, they're gonna roll characters, and I'm playing an adventure called The Hole in the Sky, which is a zero level funnel that should be a lot of fun, and I'm really excited for that. Um, so we're gonna be doing probably Dungeon Crawl Classics for the next like month, maybe like four or five sessions. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe less, maybe more. Depends if they like it or not. And then, actually, tomorrow, I'm going to be on uh, Nerd Immersion's channel uh, okay. playing in... If you guys kind of want to come watch a live game, I'll be playing... Um, who am I? Alastor Luminor, the Fey Warlock, the Eladrin Fey Warlock. And we're going to be playing, um, I think, like a murder mystery game that Celeste mm -hmm. Conwich is going to run um, from the Ma Venture Maidens on... Ted's channel on Nerd Immersion. It's called Mistress okay. of Modules. She's trying to play through modules on the DMs Guild. And so she gets like a random new cast every week. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And I'll be playing on that tomorrow. That is super cool. 
Um, oh, and Indoor says, oh, I thought you said Jack the Jeweler. I did say Jack the Jeweler. That's what I thought. I was like, yeah, that is what <laughs> yeah, you said. Yeah, that is exactly what I said. <laughs> what did you um, hear? <laughs> he he's, uh, uh, he's likes jewels. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're going to play Dungeon Crawl Classics. There's been talk of playing maybe a Kids on Bikes one shot. Basically, these guys have only not only played D&D, but primarily played Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition, and they kind of wanted to try other tabletop RPGs. So uh, Jordan, who's really excited about playing uh, lots of other tabletop RPGs, um, yeah, I was like more than happy to volunteer and, and do that. So Dungeon Crawl Classics, that's what we're going to talk about next Saturday on the Saturday Morning D&D Show. It'll be fun. Yeah, we should get um, I Live for Crits on the show. He loves... Yeah dungeon crawl classics he talks about it a lot but the funny thing is if you've been watching him lately yeah he decided to get the take for him the D 5e plant he's mm-hmm. been such a osr guy for so long and just a really good numenera fun guy fun gm who organizes everywhere he goes he's like i'm gonna buy D 5e and he's kind of telling you about his journey of how he has stayed away from it but now they're in it and now they're playing it and all the cool things about it and i just thought oh this is so good to see yeah i've been uh, watching their youtube videos of him and his daughter like yeah. complain not complaining but they're just like fifth edition doesn't make any sense and i'm like that's <laughs> only because you've played dungeon crawl classics for the last like eight years of your life yeah. yep. <laughs> like fifth edition makes perfect sense you just have to i don't know it's funny but yeah he's uh he's he's been really fun on twitter and really fun on his youtube channel so definitely check out james judge james for i live for crits all right thanks everybody we will see you next week with another episode of the saturday morning D show uh always happy to see you and with that goodbye everybody our intro and outro music is 8-bit march by twin musicom licensed under creative commons check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org